welcome to Twin Talk. This is Angie, and I'm here with my sister Joy. And today we are going to be discussing the book Wuthering Heights. So Wuthering Heights, you know, I'm guessing that most people have heard of it. Now, I don't know how many people have actually read the book, but it's a very famous book. And it was written by Emily Bronte, and she published it in 1847. So Joy, I was thinking that this is probably the oldest published book that we've read. Okay. Don't I was thinking think? maybe Johnny Tremaine. No. Nope. Well, no. It was written about the 1700s, but it wasn't necessarily written. No, I want to say that one was written like in the, uh, around World War, the 40s or 50s. Oh, yeah. yeah right. so I okay. Think, I think this is one of the oldest Oldest books ones we've, we've talked about. Yeah, you're yeah. probably right. And so when we first started Twin Talk, I was just going to let our listeners know real quick that this was one of the books I wanted to do right off the bat. Mm -hmm. And I told Joy, I said, oh, good, we get to discuss Wuthering Heights because it truly is one of my favorite books. And then I thought, oh, no, we have to wait for October. Well, guess what? It's finally October. Mm -hmm. So I'm so super excited that we're getting to discuss this. So this is a really good book for October because it has your ghost and your... It's kind of got that scary, eerie element to it. And you can tell and Marty... It's a big, scary house. It's a big, scary house. You can tell Marty kind of gushing about this. And I was thinking all through this podcast, I'll probably be kind of gushing, but I can see people going... I don't get it. Kind of mm -hmm. like with the Star Wars trilogy. I don't get people that are head over heels with Star Wars stuff, but I'm, that's kind of how I feel about this book. Yeah. Okay, so just as a summary, so to let everyone know what the book is about, it Wuthering Heights is a gothic novel about greed, revenge, jealousy, ghost, and a love that defies both time and death. The story has no real hero. The leading man is a villain through and through, and the, her the heroine is no angel. Wuthering Heights begins in the present, then flashes back 20 years to tell the haunting love story of Catherine Earnshaw and her Heathcliff. So, Joy, I'm, I've been excited to hear what you how, what you thought about the book, and I was just curious the whole time you were reading the book, what in the world was going through your head when mm -hmm. you were reading this book? Uh, just how dark and depressing and how much <laughs> anger. And I really, just, all through the book, I kept asking myself, why do people love this book? Why is this book still around all these years later? Why have so many movies been made about the book? And all I can come up with is because it's it's not typical. Mm -hmm. It's the hero is, like you said, he's a villain. Or, no, I'm sorry, he's not the, the leading character. Mm -hmm. Heathcliff is not a hero. He He's a villain. We see why he is the way he is. Mm -hmm. Catherine, like you said, is no angel. So maybe it's because it, back then and even today... The main characters that we read about all through it are not your typical leading characters. That's all I can come up with. It was something new and fresh and different for the time. Okay. Okay, well, and I have to... Uh, I'm just remembering... I remember you called me one night while you were you had just listened to some of it, and you said, what the heck? You said, these people are crazy. They are. <laughs> I feel like a lot of the characters are absolutely nuts. Yeah. I, I know they're not yeah. real people, but I feel like... From some of the research I've done, some of them are based on real people. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, are you talking about maybe... The drunken brother. Okay. So sure. the author in real life had a brother who was who a drunk. Who was an alcoholic. An alcoholic. And maybe and that they would based... be... Um, is that Harriton or... Harriton would have been... Harriton, I Kathy's think, is based brother. on the Bronte's brother is what I'm, what yeah, I'm thinking I'm for sure. Yeah, I totally agree. Because anyone who lived, in a, lived with a drunk and knew what it was like, mm -hmm. that I could see that character being based on yeah. him. So did you think the book was difficult to follow? Yeah. Well, I'll say this. Yes, it... 
If that had been my first time to read the book, I would have been totally lost. But I've seen a movie. I've seen Wuthering Heights, the movie. And I've read a graphic novel on it. I've talked to you a little bit about the characters and the storyline. And then, of course, I've read the book. So having done all of those things combined, I'm starting to finally figure out who's who and what's what. But yes, there are so many characters. And because they're all related, mm -hmm. it gets confusing. Yes. And I even have a handout. Angie printed out a family tree for me just so I could keep the characters straight as we go through this podcast because yeah. it's tricky keeping up with who's who and how who's related to who and yes and stuff. it's and the reason i gave you that is because it's so important to understand who's who for the story to make sense mm -hmm. so oh so so overall impression you you think uh, not typical yeah i almost use want to use the word evil um, okay. There was so much darkness and anger and hatred and abuse. It's mm -hmm. it almost has this evil feeling throughout it. Okay. I don't remember any light in it whatsoever. Oh, okay. Except for maybe Catherine's daughter. Okay. Maybe. Well, personally, for me, it is one of my favorite books, and I know some people probably would question this, but I, if I had to name my top ten books, mm -hmm. it would make my top five. Okay. It, that is how much I like so this book. So explain to me well, and why. What this whole podcast is you kind of trying to explain why you love the well, book so okay. much. And, and I, I did some soul searching because, and, and mm -hmm. we're I'm, we're kind of jumping a little bit ahead here, okay. so we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Okay, so I do have a confession to make. I think I watched the movie first. Okay. okay so, so here's the problem with watching the movie first. It's Hollywood's version yes. of Weathering Heights, mm -hmm. okay? So I... Honestly, when I first watched the movie, I thought that the book was about this passionate romance <laughs> between Kathy and Heathcliff. Mm -hmm. And even after I read the book the first time, I truly don't think I understood understood the full implications yeah. of the characters. In my mind, I was still trying to make him right. be this... A passionate hero in this book, and which, that's what the, I found a little documentary on YouTube, and yeah. I sent it to you, and that's what that lady said. She grew up because of Hollywood thinking that oh, Catherine and Heathcliff were this super romantic couple, and they loved each okay, other so passionately. I hate to cut you off, but you're, you're doing a spoiler alert, <laughs> uh -oh. so I'm getting ready to play the video clip. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, Sorry, didn't know that. It's okay. Twin moment. She she thought mm -hmm. of the same thing that I was so going to do. But but bottom line is these movies are misrepresenting the. The book. Yes. They truly are misrepresenting who these people really were. And, mm -hmm. and that's what I think. A lot of people think, oh, I love Heathcliff and Catherine, but they don't really have a clue what's going on. Exactly. So, so Joy, um, as usual, has figured out my <laughs> little scheme and what uh -oh. I'm going to do here. So, um, actually, the name of the clip, that's, or the yeah, the video that she's talking about, it is called The Brilliant Bronte Sisters, and it is on YouTube, and it's very good. And I'm just going to play a small clip of it. Now, when I was living in this road as a child, I spent a lot of time immersed in the fantasy world of the books that I got from the library. But my top favorite, especially in the film version, was Wuthering Heights. Make the world stop right here. Make everything stop and stand still and never move again. Make the moors never change and you and I never change. And this was my moors. I would run around being the wild child Kathy calling for Heathcliff. Oh, I was so in love with him. He was my ideal man. Older and wiser, I realized that Hollywood had misled me. 
They'd left a lot out. Wuthering Heights never was a sentimental love story, and Heathcliff is far from the rather soppy romantic lead Laurence Olivier portrays in the film. Emily Bron. Okay, so there you have it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, she she actually hit on exactly what happened to me. She watched the movie. She they portrayed Heathcliff as this good-looking, handsome, kind of sinister, intriguing hero, mm -hmm. and he was anything but that. And I'll just have to interject here for a second, but it reminds me of Darcy in Pride and Prejudice. Mm -hmm. I've heard um, I was watching a little film clip on that one time, and the man said, "Why do women love Darcy? He's kind of a butt. He's not. <laughs> he's really was kind of rude." And very short, and they mm -hmm. said, "What do women love that?" And they right. kind of thought that kind of right hit a bell with me. I was like, "Okay, maybe Heathcliff is the same way. He's not just someone who's just going to fall over uh, and do your every little whim. He's not going to fall for the leading lady. Does that make sense? Yes. They're they're hard to get. They're yes. harder to get than the average main character of a book, I guess, yes. or a story. Yes, I no, I I, I get it. Um, okay, so I'm going to make a statement to you, and I want. I want you to tell me if you agree or disagree with this statement. Okay. Kathy and Heathcliff are as memorable a couple as Romeo and Juliet. Yes, I will agree with that. And that's, I guess, what I should have said a while ago when you asked me about overall impression of the book. Even though uh, I don't understand the fascination, I'll never forget these characters because mm -hmm. they were powerful, memorable characters. They're not cookie-cutter characters mm -hmm. that you would just see in any old story anytime. So I will give that to her. Is it Emily? Bronte, uh, yeah, or uh, I get them confused. Charlotte, Charlotte and Emily. Yeah, Emily. Emily, I'll give that to her. She was able to write unforgettable characters. Like, if you cannot read this book or watch the movie and mm -hmm. ever forget um, Heathcliff, first of all, mm -hmm. that's such a memorable name, mm -hmm. and you can never forget Kathy. That's true. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that they have such great depths of feeling and emotion mm -hmm. that... In my opinion, they are as memorable or great a couple as Romeo and yes. Juliet. I just think not as many people are familiar with them because just in my small experience teaching English, Ju uh, Romeo and Juliet usually is required reading. There's a lot mm -hmm. of Shakespeare that's required reading, mm -hmm. but Wuthering Heights, that's not usually a required reading. And I think that's why... Here in the United States, anyway, more people can identify with Romeo and Juliet because they had to read it when they were in school. Sure. Okay. Okay, so now, earlier I kind of cut you off a little bit because you were getting into why do you like this book? Mm -hmm. And so, my next question is, do you think people who like this book are weird? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think they're weird. I, I think they're just fascinated with the story. And and I, it's a good book, and she's a good writer. I'm not okay. saying that, but like you said, it's your top five. Mm -hmm. Well, oh my goodness, I think of all the books out there, I'm just trying to figure out how it's like one of your top. Yeah, and books. so I, honestly, so like I said earlier, after I truly understood what the book was about, mm -hmm. and I truly understood that Heathcliff was really and truly a, a devil. Mm -hmm. He really is like the devil. He could be the devil, yeah. according to this book. And I started questioning, what what is it I like about this book? So I really kind of started thinking about it. And I just came to the conclusion that a lot of it was because of the setting. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's set on the Yorkshire Moors, and I love anything in England, mm -hmm. of course, and because the characters are so intriguing. So they're kind of, it kind of reminds me like of a soap opera. You mm -hmm. got all these, they're all beautiful people. They talk about how 
pretty Catherine is and mm -hmm. how Heathcliff's really good looking. They're beautiful, they're selfish people, and they're all passionate to the point of insanity. Yes. So I think mm -hmm. really and truly what my fascination with the book is that how intriguing and fascinating the characters mm -hmm. are. And she just has a way of writing characters. Like every single character is so well written. I mean, mm -hmm. there's... They're so different. The characters are also different. Mm -hmm. She just is able to bring to life. You would think these people really existed. I mean, mm -hmm. they're they're so real. She she is a master at, at portraying people and their moods mm -hmm. and their trying to say. Does and we talked about this before we started the podcast. Oh, it's been a while. Mm -hmm. How she has a really deep understanding of human nature. Yes. So mm -hmm. many times in the book, she would talk about uh, yeah. She would describe a character and their feelings. I'm like, wow, that's mm -hmm. that's true. That's how people really think. That's how people really act. Mm -hmm. That's what their people really motivates people. And then we talked about how the Brontes, you know, were they were like very shut off from the world. Mm -hmm. They lived in this, you know, little country cottage. They didn't know a lot of people. Now that's debatable because they did go to school. Mm -hmm. They went off to school in um, was it? They did go off for periods where they would do some schooling. But yes, the, the... they did go off into it. Where was it? Where Amsterdam? That uh, or I cannot remember, but that's it's reminded me of it yeah, might have been Amsterdam or, or somewhere. Yeah, Brussels maybe. Okay, they went. They yeah. did go off to school and they mm -hmm. were exposed to yeah. other people. And of course, they were very widely read. All three sisters. But they also said while they were at school, for the most part, they were uh, like Emily. She actually was miserable, so she came back home okay. at one point. But I guess my point was to not have been exposed to that many people and not really had lived a very sociable life. Mm -hmm. She, Emily, for sure, sure had a really a, a grasp in depth. On grasp yes. of human nature i totally yeah. agree and even some of the characters that you're you're sitting there going really he really just did that but, mm -hmm. but in life people mm -hmm. do some crazy things yeah so. okay so yeah there was nothing in the book other than the ghost <laughs> that i'm like no that could never happen yeah these, these yeah yeah i agree most I mean, of the stuff in the book for sure i feel like was realistic it definitely could have happened now if there really is a heathcliff out there i'd like to see that person i don't want to mm -hmm. i don't want to meet him but i'd like to know Okay, so one thing I, I felt like as I was doing the uh, the research for this, I, I felt like that if we need to keep in mind that part of the reason Wuthering Heights seems bizarre to us is because it is a gothic novel. Yes. Okay, mm -hmm. so, and I know you've taught literature before. Do you do you have a kind of pretty good understanding what a gothic novel well, is? Well, it's been so long, and you even read the, mm -hmm. read the definition to me again. Okay, I was just curious what you were going to say, but yeah, I'll, I'll read it. It's a genre of literature that combines fiction, horror, death, and at times romance. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I always think of um, Edgar Allan Poe okay. when I think of gothic. Of course, mm -hmm. I know he's more of a short story guy. But um, yeah, you're right. I guess gothic always brings dark images to my mm -hmm. mind. You're right. It's always death. Well, fiction, horror, and death. Yeah. So basically, <laughs> fiction, horror, and so, death. Okay. So when you combine death mm -hmm. and horror in a fictional setting and then okay. add a little romance in there, yes. you've got yourself a gothic okay. novel. Okay. Now, there are... I'm going to talk about some characteristics of a gothic novel, okay? Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about how these all play out in Wuthering Heights, mm -hmm. okay? So, um, characteristics of a gothic novel include gloomy, decaying settings, mm -hmm. like haunted houses or castles with secret passages, and other mysterious architecture. You just hit on something why mm -hmm. this book probably is fascinating mm -hmm. to people, because people are fascinated with 
things like that. Like you mm -hmm. said, anything supernatural. Yeah, the, just the, the gloomy settings. Yes. You know, uh, people are fascinated with castles. They always mm -hmm. have been. And that is a huge part of this book is, like you mm -hmm. said, the setting, the mm -hmm. moors, and of course, Wuthering Heights. The so the first one was the gloomy, decaying settings. The next one is supernatural beings, mm -hmm. curses or prophecies, damsels in distress, heroes and villains, romance, and intense emotions. Okay. Okay. Now, now we're going to talk about these individually and uh, how they're implemented in the book. Okay, so the setting revolves around two houses, which one was Thrust Cross Grange, and that was where the richy rich people lived, mm -hmm. okay? And then the Wuthering Heights is where Kathy and Heathcliff and her brother... Um, Henley? Uh, Henley grew up. Yeah. Thank you. And then Thrust Cross Grange was, like I said, that was the well-to-do family. That was the home of Isabella and Edgar Linton. Okay, and on, uh, just real quickly, on page two, they just did a real brief description of Wuthering Heights, and I just wanted to, to read this real quick, just so people kind of get an idea of what Wuthering Heights was like, the house, okay? Wuthering Heights is the name of Mr. Heathcliff's dwelling, Wuthering being a significant provincial adjective descriptive of the atmospheric tumult to which its station is exposed in stormy weather. Pure bracing ventilation they must have up there at all times indeed. One may guess the power of the north wind blowing over the edge by the excessive slant of a few stunted firs at the end of the house and by a range of gaunt thorns all stretching their limbs one way as if craving alms of the sun. So basically the house, is it was described as a large sprawling mansion, but because of the class of the people who live there, it was referred to as a farmhouse is what mm -hmm. I learned. So I thought that was interesting. So, basically, it's a gloomy ancient ma mansion. It's set on the dark and eerie Yorkshire moors. It's a very desolate, lonely place. So, so in case you didn't catch it, weathering means windy. Okay. Okay, it just means windy. The very name of the house suggests stormy and violent weather. Mm -hmm. So, even the name, you mm -hmm. know, it kind of so goes... Get, you already have the imagery starting with the name of the book. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Okay, so as far as heroes and villains, did you see any heroes in the book? I'm curious. You know... <sighs> I can't think of any. Maybe there was, but I can't think of any. That was kind of a trick question. Maybe the... Now, who was this told from? The nanny. I can't think of her name. Yeah. Uh, what is her name? Um... Gosh, Nellie. I'm Nellie. going late today for some reason. In a way, Nellie she Dean. might come across as heroic because mm -hmm. she did not abandon these people. Alice, that's and she was watching these kind of evil, almost on the verge of crazy, falling apart people, do horrible <laughs> things to each other. But she never, she could have said, hey, take this job and shove it, you know? Mm -hmm. And she never did. She stood by him and she really tried to stay by that little boy. Was it Harrington? Yeah. She really yeah. tried to stay by him. She tried to teach him and do him right. But mm -hmm. she hadn't, when, when Heathcliff claimed him and made him come live with him, mm -hmm. that she was powerless. There's nothing she could do. Well, and that was heartbreaking. And that word, when you said powerless, so all through the book, I was kind of, I felt like she, of all the people in the book, she was the one that maybe had power to save these people from themselves. Mm -hmm. But I think you're right. I think she was powerless in her position yeah. in life to do Yeah, really she make, was, do she had no, she was not a family member. She had no say. So when Heathcliff mm -hmm. said, hey, my son's coming to live with me. It, like you said, that's one of the most heartbreaking scenes yeah. in the book when she has to hand him over to Heathcliff. Yeah, because you and I both knew, you know, mm -hmm. they're getting ready to hand him over to a monster. Yes. You know, and there's nothing and they can do about it. And she loved him and she tried to teach him. So she, to me, she was her heroic in the fact that she did stand by the family. She did 
try to keep everybody as sane. She tried to talk them down from the cliffs, yes. quote unquote, many times, mm -hmm. like Kathy. She tried to talk some sense into these people, but you know, most of them weren't having it. Right. Because, and I think a lot of it was because of her station in life. She was simply like a, a, a maid. Yes. I know that Heathcliff was the perfect gothic villain. You know, he's described as being dark, handsome, mysterious. But he was also depicted as being both complex and highly sinister. Um, and, you know, and here's the thing. He had the makings of being a romantic hero, mm -hmm. but it never, he ne you know, he just, he just remained right. a villain. He, yeah, you know, he he's like this that. guy yeah. who was an orphan, you know. Man, that could have been a great success story. He goes from nothing to, mm -hmm. you know, he could have become this great gentleman, but he just couldn't recover from all the verbal abuse. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, it could have been a great hero story. Yeah. Okay, as far as damsels in distress, I feel like we could talk about this all day. Mm -hmm. Every time you turned a corner, there was a damsel in distress mm -hmm. because Heathcliff was ruining their life. Yeah. Uh, we know Kathy is not the average damsel in distress. You know, yeah, was, I don't see her as a damsel in distress at all. She's too hard-headed. She's mm. too independent. She's too... She was... Uh, uh, you're, exactly, you're exactly right. Yeah. She was headstrong. She was mm -hmm. selfish. You know, and, yeah, and she, I never see her needing help from anybody no. for anything. No, she, she played the victim sometimes. <laughs> she did play the victim yeah. and cried. Oh, mm. woe was me. But really, mm. it was just a ploy for mm. attention. She didn't really need help. Yeah, I mean, she actually fell in love with Heathcliff, Heathcliff but she didn't marry him did she really yeah that's well, debatable to me but um she's i if she guess if it was a true love i feel in like her she... mind in her mind yeah i believe she did but once again mm -hmm. we're over in england we're looking at your stations in mm -hmm. life and she was felt beneath him mm -hmm. and, and, and she felt and, above and him uh, that's what i meant to say yeah. i'm sorry she, she felt above him um you're right and she felt like she was doing the right thing by marrying uh someone who had money because and she says oh well this is where i struggle by marrying um, uh, Lent, uh, uh, Edgar, Edgar, mm -hmm. oh, I'll have money and I can take care of Heathcliff. Mm -hmm. Or is she really just feeling like uh, he's beneath me and this is an excuse and a way to get out? I it, felt, it can be looked e either way, I feel I like. I felt like she thought I can marry Edgar and have uh, money and prestige and a place yeah, in have status. Life, a status, but also get to keep my relationship with Heathcliff. That's how I Well, that's how it. the movie portrayed yeah. it. She yes. basically wanted her cake and to eat it too. But now, this is the movie, not mm -hmm. the book. Yeah, but yeah, she wanted to have a husband and have the money and the luxury mm -hmm. that goes with that and the status, but then hang out with Heathcliff on the side, right. and that's obviously not going to. And work. I can see now, just looking back all those years ago, I can see why this was such a controversial book. Yeah, and I love it. Uh, one of the quotes I read said Heathcliff and Kathy are so identical in spirit and temperament mm -hmm. that at one point Kathy declares, "I am Heathcliff." That's oh, that's true. One of the most yeah. famous lines from the book is, "I, I am forgot Heathcliff. about that." Yeah, she said, "We're so much alike." This like we're one person and it's true yeah. it's almost like they were yeah it's like they were just the male and female versions of each other yes yeah. and i think that's why they were so crazy about each other because yeah. they were so much alike because they loved themselves so much exactly the other person was like them so i'm gonna yeah love. it was almost like a form of worship and right a yeah. right okay so the supernatural beings we won't go into that real deeply but there are some ghosts in the book are there um, more than one uh well at the end, whenever Heathcliff dies, I kind of mm -hmm. look at it as, mm -hmm. I, I, you know, so like how, his spirit might join. Yeah, Kathy's in the spirit. book, they, they, she portrays Kathy as coming back to life to 
to haunt Heathcliff. Or, and then mm-hmm. after Heathcliff dies, uh, you know, a little boy says he sees a woman and a man out on the moors. And it, oh, it's supposed to be Kathy I forgot and about I forgot about the yeah. little boy who saw two. So yeah, two so figures really what I'm referring to as ghosts are yeah. Kathy and Heathcliff's okay. spirits after death. You know, um, and I love how in the book everyone did you notice how every once in a while they'll say no one really knew where he came from. Yeah, so they kind of give you. It's kind of yeah, funny. there's definitely a mystery about him from the beginning. We know, we we know he was found on the streets of London, but we don't. Was it London? I believe it was London. Okay, but yeah. we don't know his true yeah. origin. They who his true parents. Yeah, he were. looks actually kind of gone crazy at the end of the book, mm-hmm. and Nellie is going. You know, we really don't know where he came from. She's beginning to wonder is he even human? Oh, at a point, right. I mean, she even even there. You may have missed it, but there was mm-hmm. a, a there was a sentence in the book that said something about. There was a lot of folklore about vampires and stuff. Oh, I like missed they, that. They, yeah, a lot of people had these superstitions mm-hmm. about vampires, and so in the back of her mind, she's like, "Is he?" She's thinking it alludes the reader to think that he could be a supernatural that he, that he's being. not even human. Right. Okay, I totally missed that. Yeah, and then okay, of course there were you know it's so another element of a gothic novel is the curses and prophecies. Mm-hmm. Well, every time you turn around, they're cursing each other. Mm-hmm. Um, Heathcliff basically cursed Kathy upon her death. Remember, he says. Uh, in effect, he says, you will not rest as long as I'm living here up on this earth. Haunt mm-hmm. me. Take any form. Just don't leave me here alone. Now, that's right. not necessarily a curse, yeah. but uh, there's a lot of But talk it shows like their that. belief in life after death and in spirits and things like that. Yeah, and he he was so distraught after Kathy's death that, you know, he's like, I don't care if you come back as a ghost and haunt me, at least I'll be with you in some right, shape or form. Right. You know? Which goes back to that whole worship thing. I don't know that mm-hmm. it's true. I'll maybe jump ahead of myself. Are we going to talk about if they really loved each other or not? Yes, we okay. are. But <laughs> I agree with you. To me, it was almost like they were to the point of self worship. Yes, yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the next thing was, ro- the last thing, I'm sorry, is romance and an intense emotions. And mm-hmm. We saw lots of intense emotions. Yeah. To me, infatuation is a much better word than love when it comes to yes. Kathy and Heathcliff. Okay, that's good. I'm glad you said that. Mm-hmm. Ian, did you notice how they kept saying that Kathy was known for her deep attachments? Yes. And that's mm-hmm. I, I take that as another word for infatuation, too. Maybe, yeah. A deep attachment. Okay, so she it says uh, she was known for her deep attachments towards um, to the point where she even married another man. And when she did, you know, Heathcliff ran away. And he came back plotting revenge against Kathy's new husband. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then then the dark, then they also read somewhere it said the dark love triangle between Kathy and Heathcliff and Edgar also gives the the novel its gothic feel because mm-hmm. you always got that triangle. Yeah, there's know? always that tension when the three are in the same room for oh, sure. Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. Did you see any themes in the book? <laughs> uh, to me, one of the main themes was, or to me was. The difference between love and infatuation. Okay. Just, okay. they kept talking about love, love this, love that. But to me, that's not true love. You mm-hmm. know, the way they talked to each other, the way they treated each other. That was more infatuation and just, it was like a game, you know, who's going to be the winner, who gets who. So that was a theme. And, of course, jealousy was throughout it. Mm-hmm. Greed. Like you said, revenge. There were several themes that ran throughout the book that provoke the characters to act in certain ways. Okay, so the, one of the themes I, that I saw was just good versus evil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the, and to me, the book was so much about the power of hate. Yeah. And how mm-hmm. hate breeds hate. Did you yes. notice, you know, it just breeds, if you hate. Yeah. And if it goes unchecked, like you talked about, if mm-hmm. hate goes unchecked, uh, what can happen? Yes, yeah, and that's we. You know, to me, it was a glimpse of bitterness. Yeah, to me, it truly is a glimpse of what happens in a person's heart when 
uh, they just allow themselves to just continually hate and, and it, be bitter and, be and bitter, dwell yes. on it 24-7. Yes. Yeah. And then I was just going to mention, I thought this was interesting. I didn't really look for symbolism in the book, um, but I did see that there was there was some symbolism, and it had to do with open and closed doors and windows. Ooh, I, I thought you would think this no, interesting. No, I missed that. Mm -hmm. So uh, one... Uh, person who studied the book they said that open and closed doors and windows illustrate the different conditions of the characters in the story hmm. it is only at the end of the story where the doors are unlocked and symbolize the freedom of the inhabitants that was oh okay i didn't catch that and see i always wonder mm -hmm. you know people always analyze these classics <laughs> You're to death. exactly what i was getting ready to okay. say <laughs> go ahead and it makes me wonder is that is that intentional from the author's yes. point or is it just coincidental somebody's reading into too much so are we trying to grasp yeah. for too much i always and as you know, I used to teach literature, like I said, and I never said this in front of the kids, mm -hmm. but you know, I was like, oh, I'm sure the author's intent, I don't know, but I always wonder, yes, did the author really intend half the stuff we think they did? Exactly, like, were they really that intelligent? And I'm so <laughs> glad you said that because that's mm -hmm. exactly what I, I wanted to say, but mm -hmm. I didn't know how to say it. Right. But I thought they're always saying, okay, this is symbolism, they did this, through. and I'm thinking, mm -hmm. did the author really do that, or is that just something that or you, we just are read we just that speculating? Into it. Right. right, exactly. But that is interesting if the windows and the house. Now, that's true. They were always locked. Yes. All the doors were locked throughout the book until the end, and that would make sense to show because at the end they're mm -hmm. free of Heathcliff and Kay. Yes. So they do have some freedom there. Yes, and I, I have to tell you, I did give it some thought thinking, okay, was this really symbolizing? Did it really symbolize mm -hmm. the state or condition of the character? Well, she did mention a lot. Every time someone would come up to a window or house, she would always say whether the window was locked or unlocked. Mm -hmm. And then even when Heathcliff dies, mm -hmm. his window is open. Okay. And so some people say that symbolism that his soul flew away. Oh, and that, that he, he was free. Finally free he's finally from his free to join Kathy. And yeah. that room was always locked where Kathy yes. had stayed and yes. no one was allowed in there. Yes, know? and so at the end and of so, the book, uh, the visitor that had been the tenant, he comes and he notices for the first time ever the gate's unlocked. Mm -hmm. And when he goes inside... There's young Kathy and Hareton, and they're in love, and they're finally free of Heathcliff. Mm -hmm. So there may be so something maybe to that. Emily did intend that one. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Who? But we'll never know. No. Okay. So the million dollar question, which we this is what we've been waiting for. Do you think Heathcliff truly loved Kathy? No. Okay. All right. <laughs> because true love does not treat someone like that. I okay. mean, he, the way he spoke to her the way he treated her I like you said I think it was more self-worship she was so much like him he almost worshipped her mm -hmm. and it was an infatuation and self-worship no I don't I th he would have never treated her the way he did I don't feel if he truly loved her and vice versa okay. I don't think she truly and loved so, him so of course with our background our mm -hmm. definition of love comes from the Bible yeah it comes from so, uh, 1 Corinthians 13 and that's yeah. where I'm getting my definition of love yeah okay so I'll just true. so just quickly I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 13 oh, 4 okay. through 7 talk about twin moments we're having a bunch of them <laughs> yeah. yeah so love is patient love is kind it does not envy it does not boast it is not proud it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Mm -hmm. So you can look at any one of those yeah. things I just said. I was, and, as you went through the list, <laughs> I was like, I cannot think of one no. of those that either one of them did. No. So they were, if, you, you, wanted going, to, yeah. if you wanted to say, take these 
these verses and mm-hmm. say and do opposite of that, mm-hmm. then that's that, yeah. so they no. I, I agree. It was it, now in yeah. their life. So maybe, it is was not a great romance. It was a great train wreck. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I thought that was awesome, Joy. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, you know, maybe in their minds, uh, you know, they, they grew up without parents, mm-hmm. you know, and in their mind, they didn't know what true love well, was. Well, I was going to say, they're probably they're not going by our definition of love. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's probably all they knew. And, and to Emily Bronte, I don't know what her yeah. I faith mean, was or anything. And I but. can't remember if I was going to get into this later or not, uh, but in, in my mind, this is what I just kept thinking. You've got an orphan boy mm-hmm. who no telling what he saw when he was little. He's mm-hmm. found on the street. He comes back. All he knew in life was the love of this little girl. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, and, and her father, who yeah. truly did love him. Yeah, all that's all sudden, he had was the girl and the dad. All he had in life was the girl and the dad. The dad dies, mm-hmm. and then Kathy's taken away from him because of her brother. Yes. And so, think about that. And then she, yeah. quote-unquote, betrays him by mm-hmm. marrying right. so um, he's, uh, Edgar. But, yeah. yeah, so he, in his mind, he had nothing. Now, did he mm-hmm. handle it? Correctly, no, no, but was his skill to handle it correctly? Exactly, no. and that's what I kept he thinking. He didn't have the education or skills. Yeah, I'm sure. And I just kept thinking if someone had it. taken the only thing in life that you had mm-hmm. that mattered to you, how would you react? Oh yeah, I'm yeah. gonna cut Heathcliff some slack. <laughs> Heathcliff, I'm for you, buddy. I just think you did. I just feel like if this were a true story, he didn't have the resources to deal with the things that were thrown at him like we do today. Yes, but. Man, he didn't handle it very well. No. And I just love how Emily took that situation and took his background and just fully developed him into that yeah. great villain. Mm-hmm. That he Showing is. Yeah. what yeah, yeah what can happen yes. when there's no love mm-hmm. when you when you're not around. If people cir- who it's it's love almost you. like if circumstances are just right in the mm-hmm. perfect storm, this is what could happen. Yeah, you know? it truly creates yeah. uh, a tortured soul. Uh, yes, I'm so glad you're my partner on the show you say so many awesome things oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay so this is my last question um why do you think and i really did give this some thought why do you think the author created linton okay to be so selfish and pitiful and sickly so before okay. you answer <laughs> i need to tell our listeners yeah. linton is heathcliff's son okay but he treated his wife so horribly isabella he married isabella and who he, is Edgar's who sister? Who is Edgar's sister? And he treated her so horribly that she finally ran away, and she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. Has this child, and then she dies about twelve years. He's twelve or so. Yeah, I, think or, so. I don't know. She dies later when he's while he's young. While he's young, and then next thing you know, Heathcliff's demanding this child be brought back to him. Mm-hmm. Okay, and but Joy's going to describe. I want you to describe for our listeners. <laughs> What was what was he like? Oh um, my. Okay. So, am I jumping ahead if I say he is absolutely my least favorite character? No. Go, of ahead. The whole <laughs> go ahead. Linton is my least favorite character. Mm-hmm. He's whiny. He's a <laughs> sissy. He's um, just oh. He's pitiful. He yeah. He's he has pitiful. no masculinity about him at all. He's a pit, poor, pitiful character. And to think he is Heathcliff's son. Mm-hmm. He's nothing like Heathcliff. I know. I, so I, this is just curiosity. Why do you think Emily, the author, why mm-hmm. did she make Heathcliff's 
son to be the complete opposite. I think was. because she wanted to continue that pattern of him hating and despising everyone. Well, he's going to hate a, a weakling. He's going to despise someone who's not strong. You know, Heathcliff, to me, despises people who are weak. He does. He, he admits you know, that. He's, and he, he, he hates is weakness. all about strength and people who will stand up for themselves. And Linton is not that person. So to me, it gets to carry on his pattern of hating and despising people. Well, she had to give him a reason to hate and despise his own son mm -hmm. because he was weak. See, I could almost And see. that was health, too. Not just mentally, but physically he was weak as yes, well. Yes, he was, he was physically weak. He was mentally, mentally weak. weak. Mm -hmm. And socially, he, he was just... Like, you see these shows sometimes where they have the spoiled, rich brat that can't mm -hmm. lift a finger. That was Linton. But yes. he also had the physical... Uh, mm -hmm. the physical problems as well. Yes, but he I never understood why, what Kathy saw in him. She was mm -hmm. just lonely. There was no one else to talk to. Did. I think she felt sorry for him. I think he was kind of like her little... She could play nurse to him and doctor him and... And see, I, I felt like Emily looked at, oh, you know. Now, this I, is Kathy, Kathy's Kathy's, daughter. Yes, this would yeah. be not the Kathy, but yeah, Kathy's but daughter. Kathy's so. daughter. I, I felt like Emily's sitting there in her little writer's chair, and she's mm -hmm. thinking about the character of Linton, the Heathcliff son, and she's thinking, wow, if I could make him the most pathetic person mm -hmm. in the book, she, the she, things I could, I could have Heathcliff do in yes. this book, I could make his character she, become the even... Reach new deaths. I think uh, she know, succeeded deaths. in creating one of the most um, pitiful characters in all of literature. Yes, <laughs> and, and just to be able to, sh to, and to, so to have Heathcliff and him butting head, you know, and to mm -hmm. showcase his weakness against Heathcliff's mm -hmm. evil strength. And then just to add yeah. insult to injury, have his son marry Catherine's son. Uh, uh, daughter Kathy, because yes, yeah. I'm sure now Heathcliff did want that because yes. of the money. For but if the reasons, money weren't yeah. involved, I'm sure that would just absolutely kill him. Like my little poor pathetic son marrying Kathy's daughter, Catherine's daughter Kathy, yes. the woman I could never have. This poor little creature gets to have the other version of Kathy. Right? Is that not making sense? No. Yeah. 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 So, so you just answered that last. I thought that was my last question, but you just answered it. Who was your Least favorite character. Yeah, and absolutely. Basically just Linton. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Beyond 100%. a shadow of a doubt. You so, too. And this yeah. and those are those books. You know, usually you're like, oh, this is my favorite person, but mm -hmm. this was a hard book for me to pick a I favorite. Know. If I had to pick a favorite, mm -hmm. it would probably have to be uh, the one we cannot think of the her title that. She's the Nellie Dean. Nellie so Dean. Uh, because she just, was the only, and she was the reliable narrator, of course. She's so we kind of like really, a lady's maid, is how yes. I look at it. She was like a personal maid yes. to Kathy. And I just see her, she was the only, obviously she was the narrator because she's the only sane person in the whole book, for yes. the most part. She was. Yeah, but she was the only reasonable, level-headed a person truly capable of love, I feel like, in the whole book. And okay. she had to be because she was the narrator. Okay. Well, so we, we would believe her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, she had to have a sane person so that, against the backdrop of all mm -hmm. this in, insanity. Yeah, I agree. But I will say this, and we talked about this and I never did it, but I love the fact that they gave the house the name Wuthering Heights. Mm -hmm. And one thing about the word Heights I'm scared of heights, and I think of how my stomach flips, and I'm uneasy. Mm -hmm. Even the title, 
it's like, okay, you're on a high, and it's windy, mm -hmm. so it's kind of unstable. Even the title makes gives me kind of an uneasy feeling, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yes. But I uh, always It's a very be, fitting title. Yes, but I just thought it would be so cool if everybody, what if everybody named their home? What if oh, everybody yeah. named their house? And I've been racking my brain, because I have a tiny little house, you know, <laughs> in a little city. It's not like it's this big mansion out in the country, but I want to come up with a name for my house. But what would you name your house? Oh, Do you my know? God. Gosh, well, I see. I have a big meadow in my mm -hmm. um, in, in front see, of my Angie's house. Angie's house is really it's in the woods, and she has a big meadow. Yeah, and, and so it is a two-story. It's not you know nothing like Wuthering Heights, but it's very nice and peaceful and pretty out here. I, I'm just I think you should okay, name your well, house. Okay, well, that's funny you said that because when I was thinking of names for my daughter, I came across the name Ainsley. Well, Corby mm -hmm. didn't like it, but right. I looked up the word Ainsley, and mm -hmm. it means my own meadow. Ooh. So I think I would name it like Ainsley Place. Oh, now like that's that. cool. Yeah, so I have to actually I think I've thought I of that just, before. I might just call mine La Pequena, the little one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> And it's in Spanish, and I like to speak Spanish. So oh. mine might just be La Pequena because it doesn't really have anything special about it. Oh, but I do the cute house. Uh, but I think your house definitely deserves a name. Oh. And I think we need to call our mom. We need to come up with a name for our mom's house because yeah. it's kind of old and it's a little creepy yes. and a little creaky. And I think we need to come up with a name with that. I think everybody hey, should be required to name their house. Yeah, I think we may start a trend. So anyone listening to this, yeah. come up, hey, come up with a name for your house and then tell us, us why. Uh, tell us what you named your house and why. Yeah. And leave us a message. I think that would be yeah. fun. Yeah, please do that. That would be so much yeah. fun. Tell us a little bit about your house yeah. and why, uh, what you named it. Okay, so we're done with the question part of it. And okay. I just wanted to just read a little something for our listeners. For those of you who don't know anything about the Bronte family, they're probably one of the most uh, famous literature families in mm -hmm. in, his, in the mm -hmm. history of literature, well, British literature anyway, right. I should say. Um, so I just real quick, quickly, this will give, and you kind of touched a little bit earlier on how these sisters, they're famous sisters who all wrote famous books, mm -hmm. even though Emily really only wrote Wuthering Heights, mm -hmm. and her sister really only had the one. Charlotte had Jane Eyre. Yeah, and I want to mention that mm -hmm. here in just a second. Okay. But um, So basically, the Bronte family, The uh, here's a little history. The, the mother and father were Patrick and Maria Bronte, and they had six children. Mm -hmm. Okay, They had Maria. This is in order of their birth. Maria, Elizabeth, Charlotte, Branwell, Emily, and Anne. Mm -hmm. So the mother died when the oldest Maria was only seven years old. Right. So look at all these little kids with mm -hmm. no mommy. Okay, Six kids, young kids. Se uh, six children, yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. And they're all mother. young when the mom dies. Okay, So Charlotte and Emily and Anne wrote some of the most iconic British novels known today. They were inspired by the windswept moors that surrounded their home. Much of their writing concentrates on the intimate details of the landscapes. Yorkshire, in a sense, becomes a main character in their books. Mm -hmm. All of their works contain heavy Gothic influences, which were very popular in the Victorian mm -hmm. era. And that explains why they wrote these Gothic novels, was that's what was popular, popular at the time. Popular, yeah. Yeah. So Anne's tenant, a Wildfield Hawk, sorry, Walfell Hall and Charlotte's Jane Eyre were both instant critical successes, but not so with Emily's Wuthering Heights. Mm -hmm. It was seen as unnatural. Mm -hmm. And so... And Even though they thought a man wrote it, they still thought, they still they still thought, thought it, was it was unnatural <laughs> and too violent. Yes. And too disturbing, even when they thought a man had written yeah, so it. Yeah, so even though they thought uh, there's a great book, it's it's a good book, a mm -hmm. man wrote it, but yeah, it's, it's too... 
shocking. They said it was it was seen as unnatural, far and far too shocking in its bleak and violent depiction of Catherine and Heathcliff's mm -hmm. love. So yeah. So here's a timeline, and I and once I read this timeline, Joy, it really made me understand. Right. And I will say, mm -hmm. yeah, those Bron the Bronte family went through so they, much sickness and death. I could see why it would be embedded. It would be a theme throughout the book, sickness yes, and dying. Sickness and dying, for mm -hmm. sure. And I, for some reason, the Kennedy family just went through my head. Yeah. Like all these tragic things mm -hmm. happened in their life. Okay, so here's the timeline. In September of 1821, Maria Bronte dies of tuberculosis. Mm -hmm. 1825, Maria dies of tuberculosis. 1825, Elizabeth dies of tuberculosis. So two girls in one year. Mm -hmm. 1842, Branwell dies. 1846, which that was more of alcoholism, I yes, think. Yes, that think was their brother that died of, al of alcohol, mm -hmm. yes. Okay, so then in 1846 was a publication of poems by Kerr, Ellis, and Acton Bell. That was, the pseudonyms that was their pseudonyms for the yeah. girls so that they could get some poems published. Okay, 1847, Jane Eyre is published. 1847, Agnes Gray and Wuthering Heights are published. 1848, Tenant of Walfell Hall is published. So those three great works of literature... Jane Eyre, Agnes Gray, Wuthering Heights, Tenant of Walfell Hall. There's four, actually. Mm -hmm. They're all published within a few years of mm -hmm. each other, okay? I'm sorry. I said Branwell died earlier. That was Aunt Branwell that died. Oh, but now, okay. 1848, Branwell dies, okay? 1848, Emily dies. 1849, Anne dies. 1854, okay, and they all died of tuberculosis, mm -hmm. by the way. Yeah, didn't they say the average age to live in that town was like 25? It was, yeah. And a lot of it was, they didn't realize this, and it was the water. There oh, was, yeah. The water supply ran through a cemetery in town, and they didn't bury the bodies deep like they do now. They okay. said they'd put them on top and just put a heavy stone on them Thank a lot you. Um, explain that to me. Yes, okay. they said the water was contaminated, but they mm -hmm. figured it out. There, half the town was dead before they figured it out. Okay. And so I know they were dying of tuberculosis, but they said that contaminated water mm -hmm. was really the reason so many people were dying so young. So if you okay. lived around there, there wasn't much hope of no. living. Man, if you lived to make it to 30, that was a saying something yes. in that damn time. Yeah, it was in that it is, city. It's yeah. sad, but they just town. kind of expected to, to mm -hmm. die young. So, okay, so Charlotte's the only one that's left. She sat there, she's literally watched her mom and all mm -hmm. her sisters pass away. And so in 1854, she actually does get married. Charlotte mm -hmm. does. And then she dies a year later. Mm -hmm. Okay. So did she, she die on childbirth? She, she died of tuberculosis tuberculosis and complications in pregnancy. Okay. So she, it was both. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then in 1861, the dad outlives the entire family and he mm -hmm. dies. Patrick Can you Bonte. imagine being that father watching yeah. your wife and six children yeah. die? Yeah, and I was going to ask you, Now, I really don't even think we need to really get into this too deeply because mm -hmm. we've pretty much explained it. But I said, do you think the tragic deaths of mm -hmm. the sisters affected their writing? Well, well, yes, definitely. They've already lost um, two siblings by the time they're writing. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, they have their brother with the... Uh, alcoholism they're having that was horrible yeah. uh, that's what the one book the other yeah. sister wrote was about and have, what it's like to have an alcoholic in the family that's, that's what I heard I'd like yeah. to read that book so is that I, the tenant at Wildfield Hall yeah okay. and I have to say this I kept thinking okay they think this book's unnatural they mm -hmm. think it's it's disturbing. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, you sit there and watch all your sisters die, and mm -hmm. you don't have, you didn't grow up with a, mo a mom. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, she might have had a little touch of psychosis. Mm -hmm. I don't yeah, know. Seriously, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Yeah, she did. They said she, and I can't remember how many people. I mean, who else would write characters like Heathcliff and mm -hmm. Kathy that had, yeah, know, been through? All Maybe that, that was her working out all of her anger. Mm -hmm. 
uh, in emotions through her writing of having to lose her uh, siblings been, uh, at such a young age. It could have been therapy because even Charlotte, after mm -hmm. they all died, she even the, there are some articles that she actually said when she because she kept writing after yeah. they all died. She said really it was therapeutic for me to keep writing. Right. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, so Joy, uh, I, I forgot to tell you to be thinking of a word rating. So you oh uh, okay. this might be hard for you on the spot. Ooh, uh, yeah. but I did come up with a word rating. I don't think you're gonna get okay, it. Okay, yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, Wuthering Heights, Moors, Heathcliffs. I have no idea. Uh, this was a hard one. Okay. Uh, I actually picked Peniston Crags. Oh, Peniston okay. Crags is how you say, uh, how you say it. So that was, I think, one of their favorite places to go. That was where Kathy and Heathcliff would it. go, where they could be alone and spend time I think time so. Together. They could either see it in the distance or they met there. I can't yeah. remember. So how many Peniston <laughs> Crags? Um, oh, before you give me your word rating, I, yeah. wanted, I had a couple funny things I wanted to okay. read. Okay, so I listened to... I had forgotten that Joy had actually... Uh, had this on, uh, she got Wuthering Heights on Audible, and yeah. I forgot you told me you had it, so I found a free audiobook online, mm -hmm. and it was so, it was not the greatest audiobook, so I'm not going to recommend it, but here were some of the comments, uh, you know how people will comment mm -hmm. on the internet about the audiobook? Yeah. So I wanted to read these comments, because they're actually pretty funny. So Linda H. says, this book is excellent for those who declare it boring. It's one of the best books ever written. I've read it many times. Mark H. says, this is a female masterwork. No male can read it. <laughs> I thought, okay. What's up, bro? Said, I hated every single second reading this book in English class. Mm. Jonathan V. said, it's so long and boring, but I must listen in order to do my summer project. Mm. Summer, or Suzanne said, I hate to say this, but Kathy was a bit of an a-hole. <laughs> <laughs> Monica says, I'm not liking this book at all. This is not love. It's obsession. Mm -hmm. I feel no love at all. This is worse than Romeo and Juliet. Notorious PhD said, I hate this book so much. And then somebody said, why is this pedantic book considered a masterpiece? Mm -hmm. And I looked up the word pedantic, and I still can't ex understand what it means. <laughs> and then somebody named M. Wafu said, it's me, Kathy. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was funny. She went, it's me, Kathy. Okay, and the last one. I have a test on this tomorrow, and I've slept through every class. Two times speed is my new best friend. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. There was one more. Joseph says... Oh, they said, Joseph sounds like Homer Simpson. My gosh, he is Homer Simpson. So, anyway, I, I was cracking up when I was reading those. So, now, yeah. go ahead and give me your, how many Pennystone Crags do well, you give this Well, I'm going to go ahead and give it four. Okay. Just because she, the setting was amazing. You, She really set, she really was a master with setting. You could see the house. You could smell it. I mean, she was really good at describing sight smells sounds all mm -hmm. that stuff and then of course the characters are unforgettable mm -hmm. and like you said she really had insight into human nature and how people really think and act and feel and she was a master at all that so even though mm -hmm. honestly i did not really enjoy reading the book um i appreciate how good she was at writing it does that make sense yes yeah, so you just didn't like the, the, i appreciate the, 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 the master and, the mastery behind it yeah but the story itself was dark and depressing and evil and kind of gloomy and depressing. can you see why i saved it for october yes okay. definitely it's dark and gloomy and yeah 
Okay, so you got You're a little hint of evil. But I am okay. giving it a four, which honestly, there are times I'm like, oh my gosh, I cannot listen to this five more seconds. But now <laughs> that I'm through with it and thinking about the characters and the setting and what yeah. a good writer she is, I'll yeah. definitely give it a four. Okay. okay. Four Pennington Crags. Okay, well, I'm giving it five because I mm-hmm. just felt like her character development was out of this world. And mm-hmm. personally, I just feel like she has a genius for writing. When mm-hmm. people call her a genius, I have to, I agree. I all think the Brontes. A, well, I'll yeah. say all of them. I've only read... And now that I think about it, I don't think I've read Jane Eyre. I've just seen the I movie. But either. I'm assuming Jane Eyre is just as good as Weather and Heights as far as the writing style. Well, it stood the test of time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still considered one of the greats. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, so to, instead of doing trivia, we're almost done, by okay. the way. I don't know how long this is running today. but um, We're at 51 minutes. Oh, ooh, a little long, but that's okay. Still under an hour. Yeah. Okay, so instead of doing trivia, we're going to play a little game. Who said that? <laughs> oh, no. Okay, so I'm going to say a quote from but the you book. you have to do it in their... Accent, I think. Oh boy, I don't know. If I'm <laughs> that, but I, I'm, it's it's who said that? Okay, it's, it's a quote from the book. Okay. okay, okay. Number one, I am now quite cured of seeking pleasure in society, be it country or town. A sensible a sensible man ought to find sufficient company in himself. That is the tenant who was renting uh, the one I can never Thrush, think of the Thrush name. Cross Thrushcroft Grange. Grange from Heathcliff. Very good. It was Lockwood. Yeah, yeah, Lockwood. Because once he had a few dealings with Heathcliff, he's like, yeah... I, I'm okay. I don't need to visit with people. I'm okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, like once he had a little taste of Heathcliff, he would rather yeah, be alone. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I don't need to be visiting. Yeah. Okay, number two. It was not the thorn bending to the honeysuckles, but the honeysuckles embracing the thorn. So they were talking about when Catherine got hurt and she was staying at... Thrush Cross Thrush Cross Grain. Uh-huh. And... And, and she is, yeah, she's the demanding, prickly one. But they were all bowing down to her. But I'm going to say it was the... Uh, how come I can't think of the names? The, the maid? The uh, lady's maid? Yes. Uh, Nellie. Uh, Nellie. Yeah, yeah I Nellie it was Dean. Nellie talking about Catherine staying over there. Yeah, yeah. very yeah. good. Okay. 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 Treachery and violence are spears pointed at both ends. They wound those who resort to them worse than their enemies. Hmm. I think that's a woman. Uh-huh. Mm. Is it Catherine? No. Or her daughter? Uh, no, it was actually Isabella. Oh, okay. uh, Heathcliff's wife. Oh. And because there's a scene where... That's right. Uh, where Henley wants her to help him kill Heathcliff. Yes. And she's saying, no, uh, treachery and violence are spears pointed at both ends. In other words, if yeah. I do something, I'm probably going to get stuck yeah. myself. Right? Yeah. You play, uh, he who plays with fire gets burned by fire, basically. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, number four. Do I want to live? Would you like to live with your soul in the grave? Hmm. I didn't do a very good voice there. <laughs> do I want to live? Would you like to live with your soul in the grave? I guess that's got to be Heathcliff. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So once Kathy dies, he yeah. feels like his soul is already in the grave. Yeah. In my soul and in my heart, I'm convinced I'm wrong. That's Kathy. Catherine. That is Kathy. When she's talking about getting married. Yes. She knows she's, she's not marrying Heathcliff. She's going to marry Edgar, and yeah. she knows in her heart she's wrong. Okay. If he loved with all the powers of his puny being, he couldn't love as much in 80 years as I could in a day. I think that's Heathcliff. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Heathcliff. Yeah. He's more myself than I am. Whatever our souls are made of, his and mine are the same. That's Catherine. That's Kathy. Yeah. So here we got all these <laughs> very intense emotions. Yeah. Huh? Okay. I have to remind myself to breathe, almost to remind my heart to beat. That's Heathcliff. That's Heathcliff. Yeah. Number nine. Any relic of the dead is precious if they were valued living. Mm, 
Is that Kathy? No. No? Hmm. That, I remember that line from the book. That was Nellie. She had kept oh, a, a okay. letter from Isabella. Okay. And she said it was precious because, you know, she was close to her oh, okay. in life. Okay. All right. And last one, number 10. Nellie, I am Heathcliff. Oh, that's Catherine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, so we're, the last thing we're going to do is reading the reading of our favorite mm -hmm. passages. Um, that usually uh, the first and last paragraph. I know I've said this before. Sometimes are those those are the best ones. The beginning and the ending are some of the most beautiful writing, and that's how it is in this case. Yeah, um, I agree. And, and I had told Joy the other day that my favorite ending, probably of any book I've ever read, mm -hmm. is in this book. It's my favorite. I love the ending. Um, I don't know it's why. funny you said that because one of the books I want to do is Little Big Man, and I think mm -hmm. that's probably my one of my favorite endings. That, oh, okay. A River Runs Through It and Little Big Man are two of my favorite endings of all time, and that's what makes those books so memorable to me. And this is a good ending. I do like this ending. Okay, so the passage I'm going to read... Oh, sorry. I'm sorry, I just have to look at this real quick. Okay, so it's on page 152, and it's... it's okay, when Heathcliff calls for Linton, and he in there they have to take Linton to Heathcliff. They don't have any choice. Mm -hmm. Okay, what to me Bronte is a master at building suspense. Mm -hmm. Okay, so on in this passage, I'm going to read. You are literally on the edge of your mm -hmm. seat, knowing that this child is getting They're ready about to, to go to his monster dad. To his monster dad, mm -hmm. and I just feel like she's a master. And I almost this is the part of the book I didn't even. I just, she does do a good job of playing up our sympathies for these yes. characters, knowing what they're about. To get into. I was literally cringing when I was yes. reading this passage because mm -hmm. I was so worried for Linton, yeah. even though he's not a likable character. Yeah. Now this it's very long, so it may sound choppy because I'm not going to read the whole mm -hmm. pet, so I may it may sound like it's not um, fluid. Okay. But here we go. My father, he they they've just told Linton he's getting ready to go to his father. Yeah. My father, he cried in strange perplexity. Mama never told me I had a father. Where does he live? I'd rather stay with Uncle. He lives a little distance from the Grange, I replied, just beyond those hills. Not so far, but you may walk over here when you get hardy, and you should be glad to go home and see him. You must try to love him as you did your mother, and then he will love you. But why didn't Mama speak to me about him, persevered the child. She often talked of Uncle, and I learned to love him long ago. How am I to love Papa? I don't know him. Oh, all children love their parents, I said. Your mother perhaps thought you would want to be with him if she mentioned... Your mother perhaps thought you would want to be with him if she mentioned him often to you. Let's make haste. It's such a beautiful morning. I attempted to persuade him of his naughtiness of showing reluctance to meet his father. Still, he obstinately re resisted any progress towards dressing, and I had to call for my master's assistance in co coaxing him out of bed. Is Wuthering Heights a pleasant place to live, as Thrushcross Grange, he inquired, turning to take a last glance into the valley when a light mist mounted and formed? And what is my father like, he asked. Is he as young and handsome as uncle? He's as young, said I, but he's black hair and eyes and looks sterner. And he is taller and bigger altogether. He'll not seem to you so gentle and kind at first. Perhaps because it's not his way. Still, mind you be frank and cordial with him. And naturally, he'll be fonder of you than any uncle, for you are his own. Black hair and eyes, mused Linton. I can't fancy him. Then I'm not like him much, am I? Not much, I answered, not a morsel, I thought, surveying with regret the white complexion and slim frame of my companion and his large, languid eyes, his mother's eyes, save that, unless a morbid touchiness kindled in a moment that had not a vestige of her sparkling spirit. How strange that he should never come see Mama and me, he murmured. Has he ever seen me? If he has, I must have been a baby. 
I remember not a single thing about him. Yeah, sad. And yeah, it's just, it's, I wish I could read the whole passage, but it's so lengthy, but it's, it's really good at building the suspense. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Joy's going to read, so you decided on reading the yeah, last. Yeah, I really do like that last paragraph. paragraph. It's really pretty. Yeah. My walk home was lengthened by a diversion in the direction of the Kirk. When beneath its walls I perceived decay had made progress even in seven months, many a window showed black gaps deprived of glass, and slates jutted off here and there beyond the right line of the roof to be gradually worked off in coming autumn storms. I saw it and soon discovered the three headstones on the slope next to the moor, the middle one gray and half buried in heath, Edgar Linton's only harmonized by the turf and moss creeping up its foot, Heathcliff's still bare. I lingered around them under that benign sky, watched the moths fluttering among the heath and harebells, listened to the soft wind breathing through the grass, and wondered how anyone could ever imagine unquiet slumbers for the sleepers in that quiet earth. Okay, that's pretty much does it for today's podcast. I just in closing I just want to say that I feel like Emily Bronte was a world class writer who had a genius for developing interesting and complex characters. She was a master at making the characters come to life on the page, and her non-traditional portrayal of love and hate make this one of the most memorable books of our time. Mm. And thank you, and hope you join us next time on Twin Twin Talk. Talk.